Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Please turn with me to the book of Matthew. So New Testament, um, right in the beginning, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you're in John or Revelation, you've passed it. So go to the book of Matthew. And um, chapter 6, right in the beginning, Matthew chapter 6, we're just going to sit here for a little bit. I'm going to pray for uh, the word of God today. Let's pray. Jesus, we honor you and we love you in this place. God, I recognize, Lord, that there are so many different backgrounds and perspectives, God, um, as we gather on a Sunday, Lord, and I just pray, Father, that, that your word that pierces through bone and, mar- and marrow right to the soul, I pray, God, that you would do what only you know how to do, and that's transform lives. I just pray, Father, that the words that I speak would not be my own, but, God, that they would be yours, that they would land on good soil, and, Father, um, that you would speak, speak your will. And do what only you can do, Jesus. We pray that the power of the Holy Spirit, that empowered, that that is in the dance of uh, the Trinity of the Godhead, that you, Holy Spirit, would make yourself known in this room. We honor you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk this morning about something that's really near and dear to my heart. And I think something that we don't talk about enough, um, it's not something that can get people really excited because it requires uh, something out of somebody's spiritual journey. And, you know, when on the spiritual journey, on the journey of life, what happens is, you know, we we live in America, and, and I'm grateful for this country. I'm grateful for God and for what he's done in, the, in America, right? I'm not a, a pastor or preacher that likes to talk about politics. It's just, I just don't believe that the pulpit is meant for that. But I, I, I will say I'm grateful for America. I'm grateful for my citizenship. But us Americans, we love our rights, don't we? Man, we love them. Don't, don't come after my rights, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think there's some beauty in it, right? We have some amazing rights. Like, I, just, just being able to come up here and preach about the gospel, there are some rights that we and our founding fathers established so that we could do this because there's other places and spaces and countries that it's underground. And if anyone hears the gospel, if there's a pastor preaching, they go to jail and it's really bad. It's condemned. It's looked down upon. But you all have rights, don't you? We all have rights. And I don't want to offend you, but I, I, I just, I'm at a point where I, I want the applause of, of, of one man, of God, not, not of, of, of us, right? I don't need the applaud anymore of man. That's hard to say. But I just want to be, I want to do what God says to do. And I have found that if, if we really care about Jesus, if we really care about God, if you really care about what it means to be a disciple, then you would know that Jesus must be Lord of your life. That your rights go away under the citizenship of Jesus. 
And I think that's really hard for, for us Americans to say, I, I, I'm actually a slave of God. We don't like that language, and I understand that. It makes sense, 100%. But Paul says, I'm a slave of God. That my rights, I don't have a rights anymore. I, I honor God with my life and with my body. I honor God with my words. I honor God with everything because it's his kingdom, not mine. It's his will, not my will. But in the midst of all of that, you know, there's certain people that can be really deceptive. And, and I, I, for one, can understand as a pastor. I can come. I shared this last week. I want to be up here the same man that I am when I'm with my daughters or with my wife. Because I believe that it's, there's, so, there's so much deception in the world, right? I can really deceive you. And you can really deceive me. But I am convinced that the life that God has us on requires everything of us. A full surrendered heart, fully surrendered to him in every avenue, in every aspect, in every part of our life. And so I, I wanted to premise that to just get you to understand this one thing. I want to talk today about what does it look like to be in the unseen place? We love the public place, don't we? We love the limelight. We love the affirmation. I do. <laughs> I, I, I love when, when people compliment me and say good things about me. I mean, like no one would deny that that doesn't feel good at times, right? But Jesus says something that is so contrary to our culture, his culture, every culture. And he says, I don't want you to focus so much on the seen places, on being seen and being known and being heard and, and the public figures. I want you to focus on what does it look like to get into the unseen place, get into the secret place with God. So Matthew says this, and starting at verse 5, notice he's talking about prayer. Matthew 6, starting at verse 5, says this. And when you pray, and again, the context, because I'm a student of the word, the book of Matthew was written to Jews. I mean, I know Grandma Liz has some Jew in her, but is there anyone else in the room that, like, are completely Jewish? I'm just really curious. Anyone? No one. Or maybe someone is, and you're just afraid. That's okay to say. But we're all pretty much predominantly not Jew, right? We didn't grow up Hebrew. We didn't grow up in that culture. We have no idea at times what it looks like to live as a young Jewish boy or a young Jewish girl. And so I just kind of want to paint a picture. Every aspect of their life was predicated on prayer. When you woke up in the morning, before 9 a.m., you should have already recited a particular prayer. As you go throughout your day, during midday, you should have already cited a particular psalm. And right before 9 p.m., you should have already prayed, again, a particular recited prayer. So the aspect of a Jew, the aspect of a Hebrew, was to always be in prayer, to have God at the forefront of your mind in everything you did. And then the religious, it was even more important. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they needed to let people know, I'm praying right now. 
So Jesus says, this is his words, he says, so when you pray, so he's already expecting you to pray, by the way. (laughs) He's already expecting that as a disciple, because remember, hundreds and thousands at times would follow him because he was an incredibly interesting man. Signs and wonders would follow him. He would cast out demons. He would heal the sick. And he had a particular sort of confidence about him because he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. So he's speaking to a crowd and he says, so when you pray, because by the way, this is sort of the Beatitudes, his sermon on the mount. He says, hey, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. They love it. You know, and just like, just imagine these Pharisees, like, they already have like this whole thing going on where you know, oh, that's kind of like, that's the pastor, and he's made himself known, right? And so imagine just going around the city, and every time you prayed, you prayed as loud as you can, you prayed so people could see, you know, you're kind of like praying and looking to see who's coming around. Jesus is speaking about this type of individual. He says this, so truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. People know that they're praying. There's reward in the public place, isn't there? There's accolades and, oh gosh, you're you're so holy and man, you're just like a prayer warrior and you've really made it seem like you know God. Man, I wish I could be like you. Jesus says, hey, they already got their reward. And the reward came from man. Again, we have to resolve in our hearts that you can't, we can't care about what other people think, especially when it comes to God. Now, there's certain things that we ought to care about, but I'm talking about being steadfast with God. I'm talking about putting God first. I'm talking about on your college campus, not fitting in with the crowd, not talking like everyone talks, not acting like everyone acts, not speaking like everybody speaks. There's something that happens to a disciple of Jesus when you get linked up to the power and the presence of God. And I'm convinced that when Jesus changes and radically expresses his goodness and his power on you, transformation takes place. We don't look like those that want accolade out there because it's a different kingdom. And I love this. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father, watch this, who is unseen. He says, go to the unseen place. Then, watch this. This is a promise from Jesus. Then your father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Did you catch the promise? (laughs) I mean, my Bible, I have the Bible with the red letter. This, this is Jesus' language. This is his word. This is his expression to us. He says, hey, when you pray, go into your secret place. Go into the place with you and God. And when you go there and when you resolve yourself there, because there's something that happens when it's just you and God. Remember we had the mirror, right? And you got to look yourself in the mirror. There's something that happens when you Get close to God. He begins to show you things about your life that must shift and must change. Because remember, if you can't say Jesus is my Lord, 
then I, I don't know. That's between you and God. <laughs> you have to be willing to say, no, Jesus is Lord of my life. Every aspect of my life is his. So if he's Lord of your life, then he's saying, when you pray, when you fast, when you're getting ready to, to meet with God, do it in a secret place. Get alone with God. Don't be distracted by the things of this world. Put your phone away. Get serious about God. And he says, I will, I will actually reward you when you go and you find resolve and you know who I am. I will that is a promise from Jesus, promise from God, that there is reward when we spend time with our Father. And then in verse 7, it says, and so when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. <laughs> For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he goes on to recite uh, the famous prayer, right? Our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? I want to talk about the unseen place with you for a moment. When I was in college, I remember we had uh, multiple stories in our our. our um, sort of like our, uh, our dormitory, right? There was like ground zero, one, two, three, and four. And the college got smaller and smaller and smaller every year. It was in Springfield, Missouri, so you could see why. <laughs> but it was a Bible college, and it was dedicated just to students that felt like they wanted to learn preaching or wanted to learn discipleship or wanted to learn pastoring or wanted to learn church planning or wanted to learn what it meant to be a mission. It was, it was specific just to biblical understanding and theology. And so I remember I would go and I would hear the pastors, I would, I would listen as a student to the professors that gave their life to God, gave their life to the word. And I remembered the one thing that I couldn't shake was I needed to know God. I needed to find him. I needed to resolve the things inside of me like should I marry Kelly or should I not? Is the girl out there somewhere? Is she in Australia? I remember I used to think that. God, I, I want to I get married. I want to start a family. I want to go after you. You have a call on my life, so show me what I need to do because I don't want to do it any other way, God. And, and as a 19-year-old, I just couldn't shake it off of me that I needed to know what God wanted to do in my life. I was unsettled until I had an answer, and I remember I would go up at like 12, 1, 2 in the morning, and I would shut the door in the dorm room, and there was, like, bunk beds everywhere. And it was, like, the highest level, and no one was up there, you know. And you're like, oh, it's kind of scary at real late at night, you know. But I would just go and shut the door, and I found my secret place with God. I found it. No one could take it from me. And on, I, I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating. Every night I would go there for, like, months. And I remember I would cry before him, like, like really cry, you know, like boogers and everything. <laughs> and I would get on my knees and I would lay on the floor and I'd say, God, I'm not leaving this college. I'm not leaving this state. I left for a reason. I need to know what you've called me to do. 
And I'll sacrifice anything. You want me to go as a missionary to another country, I'll do it. You want me to go and plant a church, I'll do it. You want me to be a youth pastor for the rest of my life, I'll do it. You want me to be a businessman, I'll do it. I was already like wanting to be, get my degree in kinesiology, and I wanted to live on the beach, on the cliff right there in Dana Point. I had a whole plan. And God just, he just, he shook that plan, man. And I found him in the secret place. And we can't think that we can do this life. We can be true disciples when all of the things of the world are coming against us. I just have resolved in me. I want to be a man that's responsible for the kingdom. That's in love with the Father. That, that desires to spend time with him. And, and, and I, pray, I know that God is looking for men and women alike that would just get in the secret place because it's in the secret place I discovered that I found who I was in God, that I was a son of God, that I had a purpose in, for my life, that God wanted to shake me and shift me and mold me, that God wanted to do something specific in my life, and I needed to know what that was, and I wasn't going to leave until he showed me. No nation in the Jewish way, no nation ever had a higher ideal of prayer than the Jews did. Do you know that? Great is prayer, the rabbi would say, greater than all good works. Great is prayer, greater than all good works. That's like historic, I'm talking millennia ago. The rabbis found the source and their source was prayer. And it's not just getting on your knees and babbling and getting on your knees to be seen. No, it's going. I, I, I would just be so curious to just take inventory on every person in this room. How often do you spend time with the Father? How often do you go to the secret place? How often are you, you putting your thing, your need, your, your, your way, are you laying it at the feet of God and saying, God, I need direction, I need you to do what only you can do in my life. I have this sin. I have this brokenness. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for my son or my daughter that might have went wayward. I'm praying that my daughter, Lenya, would become a strong woman, that Zoe would become a strong woman for you. I'm always going to the secret place with God, contending for ground. And you'll know, by the way, if I haven't been in the secret place. You'll know. You're like, yeah, I really know. You'll know, because when you spend time in God's presence, he, man, he transforms you. Here's another rabbinic saying. I love this one. He who prays within his house surrounds it with a wall that is stronger than iron. I like that one. The rabbis would say that. They would teach that to their young apprentices. No, when you pray... When you go into your home, when you go into your work, pray that the wall, there would be walls of iron surrounded around you and that angels would be protecting you and, and protecting your family and your children and would be going before you that God would minister to you. So for those that are looking, gosh, what door do I go through? God will show you when you spend time in the secret place. Because you see, there's power in the public place, yes, but what power do you want? Do you want the power of the kingdom of this world or do you want the power of the kingdom of God? Because power in the public place 
comes from strength in the secret place. I'll say it again if you missed it. Power in the public place comes from strength in the secret place. It's really hard to be a pastor or just a leader or just a father or a mother, right? It's just hard in general. Life's hard, man, right? Life comes with suffering. Life brings its storms. And so if you're not found in God, with God in the secret place, I'll know it, you'll know it, because all someone has to do, you know, I'm like this, I'll be honest, full confession, I could be having the best day ever, and I'm like, yeah, man, God's good, let's go. Come on, I'm ready to do this. What do I got to do? Who do I got to call? Who do I got to encourage? God's gone before me. I'm all right, man. I got a beautiful family, a beautiful wife. I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out. And then all someone has to do is send me a, a, one of those texts, <laughs> right? And then it's like, what's wrong with Sammy? He became like Eeyore, right? And, and, and I know that about myself. And you know what that tells me? I care more about what man thinks than about what God thinks. That tells me I have much work to do in the secret place because Jesus I hope you know this, man. A lot of people don't think about this. If Jesus was walking with us in our day, in our culture, if he took 10 people and said, I want to go on a 12 people, I want to go on a journey with you for the next three years, I can promise you many would not follow him. Many. I mean, it's in the Bible. You think you're any different? Because he required radical faith. He told these men that were married, come follow me. Because I remember I was like, oh, man, that's crazy. Peter was married. It says Jesus went to Peter's mother's-in-law's house. <laughs> These fishermen, he said, hey, leave what you're doing and come with me. And I will show you how to be fishers, not just of men, right? Or I'll show you how to be fishers of men. I'll show you how to bring power into people's life. And so many would follow him. And watch this. Many would leave him. Why? Because he would say, hey, imagine there was crowds of people coming to see Jesus. And he would say, hey, I, I need you guys to know something. If you want to follow me, pick your cross up, man. You want to come where I'm going? All right, pick it up. To say pick your cross up in this day and age, I mean, it was like the ultimate form of persecution. It was like massive like for Jesus as a rabbi to say pick your cross up was offensive to people how could you say that you're a rabbi what pick my cross up what are you talking about hey come follow me leave everything behind you see where you go to meet with God is important you must pour out your heart to God you must commune with God you must commune with the father he I promise will give you strength like no one else will give you strength. And I need a brother in the Lord, right? You need a sister in the Lord. You need people to partner with. That's what community is about. But let's not make any mistake about it. There are times where it's just you and God. And you got to go to the secret place. How often? Often. Because I model my life, or I try to, I'm just being honest. I try to model my life after the life of Jesus. To contextualize how would Jesus live if he were me in Southern California. Well, he would go to the secret place often. He shows this in the scriptures. Mark 1.35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
He went to his secret place early in the morning. I can't even get up at like 6 a.m. because I'm so tired. And then Kelly's up and doing the whole thing, and she gets mad at me because I'm not waking up. It's hard. You know, we, we like try to model our lives like, oh, Steve Jobs gets up at this. The Rock Johnson gets up before the sun. I'm going to beat the sun, right? And it's like, those are all great things, but I wonder if we would model our life after Jesus instead of after Steve Jobs. I, I just, I'm resu- I just, I have to do that. I'm at a point in my life, I, I cannot care about what anyone thinks because the promises of this book, we have to theologize them away. There are so many promises in this book. And it says yes and amen to them. That you're blessed. This isn't like a a self-help sermon or anything, but man, like, do you know all the promises that God has given you? When you follow him, the Bible makes it clear that we reap what we sow and anything outside of the reaping is the favor of God. I was just telling Eric yesterday, man, I, I want to position, position my life that, that I would be walking in the favor of God every day. <laughs> but that requires effort, doesn't it? It requires me waking up like Jesus did to go in a secret place. Matthew 14, 23 says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. Luke 6, 12, one of those days, Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. How often? Often. How did Jesus nourish himself so he could withstand and prosper in the public place? As a pastor, I'm like laser focused on what's going on in the pastoral world in America. And it's just, it terrifies me that pastors are falling left and right, left and right, left and right, like hot potatoes. I'm like, man, what is going on? Another moral failure. Another financial embezzlement. Another guy that was like driving off somewhere far to be with a prostitute. I mean, we hear those. It's like normal now. It's like shouldn't be normal. I'm convinced that these men and women forgot the secret place because they just wanted the public place. It's a hard thing as an American to say, I don't want the public place. But did you know, like, Jesus, his his definition of success is to get with God often in the lonely places. Not to find the mountaintop victory and being on the stage and preaching and having a lot of followers on IG. Those are all, I'm not dismissing any of those things. All I'm saying is, who would you be if right now God put you at your greatest moment, that God gave you all the influence in the world, and that someone laser-focused watched your life? Would you withstand the weight of the public place? I know I wouldn't. I, so I'm like, man, if you, if you put a camera on my life like MTV, right, like <laughs> MTV Cribs, right, you're like, hey, come on, check out my life. <laughs> You'd be like, dude, where are you? <laughs> What's going on with you and Jesus, man? Like, why are you talking to your wife like that? Why do you think those things? Why do you say those things? Because clearly the Bible says that 
From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do you speak those I am statements over your life that are contrary to the word of God? Why aren't you waking up at four in the morning like Jesus did to spend time with the Father? Because that's where the source comes. That's where the power comes. And I got a long ways to go, but I've come a long way as well. I'm just convinced, man, that we want so much of a particular life, but if you had it, would you be able to withstand it? And I see these pastors, do you see them with me? Like, man, they're crushing it. Like, wow, that's so cool, it's awesome, whoa, wow. And then, boom, moral failure. Like, all right, man, like, I just, I have to be so laser focused on God, not man. Our problem with being seen, Jesus warned about the addiction of being seen. It was one of the corrupting forces of pharisaical religion. Here's a quote that says this, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their, it's basically a phylacteries, I don't even know how to say it, phylacteries, which is a small leather Bible, the Pharisees did, it was like a small leather, leather Bible of, of the law. So they make these small leather Bibles wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Leader and pastor and boss and CEO. Loving the place of honor, the most important seats in the house, greeted with respect, seen, noticed, loved. At the core of our heart, we want those things. But this life Jesus actually warns about, this is the life he actually calls us to reject. Like, does that bother you? Honestly, he actually calls you to reject that life. I, I know for me, I I'm all about personalities. Like, that one, like, jacks me up, man. I'm like, really, God? Like, but there's, there's something powerful. We need more influencers out there that love God, that seek God. Jesus is like, reject those things, man. You see, the hidden life is where we're formed. Dramatic events may get all the attention, but devoted lives usher in God's kingdom. Did you know that? Devoted lives to him actually usher in the kingdom of God. It's normal, men and women like you and me, living before God, content to be faithful in the small things that bring the world out of brokenness and into redemptive love. Unhistoric acts create the world we actually need. It's the hidden life of playing with your kids when you are tired and have nothing left in the tank that the father loves, the father loves. It's the hidden life of serving your wife when she's exhausted and overwhelmed that the father loves. It's the hidden life of prayer and devotion when you want to watch the game on Sunday that the father loves. It's the hidden life of sacrificial generosity when you would rather buy another gadget that the Father loves. It's the hidden life of absorbing, absorbing criticism without the need to respond that the Father loves. Let's resolve to be men and women who live from the secret place. Imagine what your life would look like. A people who, like Jesus, who often withdrew to spend time with the Father. And people known by God, seen in heaven, who seek 
Our, we, we seek our reward in the places the world can never find. A commentator says it like this. Jesus shows us in this passage on prayer that he insists that we must always remember that the God to whom we pray is a God of love who is more ready to answer than we are to pray. Did you know that about your father? He's more ready to answer your prayer than you're even ready to pray. His gifts and his grace have not been, have not been unwillingly extracted from him. We do not come to a God who has to be coaxed or pestered or battered into answering our prayers. We come to one whose one wish is to give. When we remember that, it is surely sufficient to go to God with the sigh of desire in our hearts and on our lips. The words, watch this, your will be done, not mine, God. Can you try that this week as, as you join in, in prayer and fasting? I'm going to challenge you to pray this. When you pray, when you're done, because you, it's a belief system, how we pray, even how you pray is a particular belief system. In Romans and Scripture says we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So your mind, your, your way of thinking around prayer might need to be renewed. When you pray, at the end of every prayer, I want to challenge you to say, you know what, God, I know I prayed all that stuff but your will, not mine. Oh, God, Lord, I really want that job, but your will, not mine. I'm going to do the effort. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to work hard, but God, at the end of the day, your will, not mine. That, that, that guy that I, like, really want to marry or date, he's just so good looking. <clears throat> I want to, like, I want to get married, God. I want to find Prince Charming. At the end of it, Pray it, please. But pray, God, your will, not mine. God, I, I desire for, for, for you to multiply the, the finances. I, I pray for an abundance over your people. But Lord, at the end of the day, your will, not mine. Because you know what? I, I, I'm convinced when you read this book, it's not quid pro quo, meaning, oh, I, I do this, and now God says he'll do this. That's not how it works. It's like a it's like a genie in a bottle. We don't serve a, that, that small of a God. I'm convinced, though, that the blessings of yes and am are all surrounded in the scripture. The goodness, the wonder, the joy, the peace that he has in store for your life, for your family. I'm convinced that he wants all of us to have and not be in need. And the reason why I'm convinced of that is because in the kingdom of heaven, there's no one in need. Does that make sense? When we experience the true kingdom of heaven, no one is in need anymore. So I believe that God wants to bless us. I do, but my, my thing, you know what I always pray to God? I'm like, God, if you gave me, if you blessed me financially, what would I do with it? Like, what would, <laughs> where would my heart be with all, with all of this? Because I want to be a man, and, may, and, and just insert, you want to be a woman that God can trust that should be your prayer. God, change me from the inside out. Resolve the brokenness, the anguish, the frustration that I have for my brother or sister. Resolve 
the addiction that I might have, the addiction, maybe some of you guys are addicted to pornography, maybe it's a sexual sin, maybe it's a habitual sin, maybe you're addicted to alcohol, maybe you're struggling with drugs in this room. I have no idea what your struggle is. Or maybe you might see, think it's not that big, maybe you, can, maybe you struggle with control, or you struggle with anger. You're controlling your husband all day, or you're controlling your wife all day. Or you want to control the outcome of whatever the situation is. That's an addiction as well. Maybe you're addicted to your phone. I have no idea the things at the deepest core of your life that you're struggling with. But I'm convinced when you go to the secret place, that has to be resolved there. Because God will bring it up to you, man. And he'll say, wake up, oh sleeper. Stop living life the way you're living it. I have abundance for you. I have blessing for you. I have prosperity for you. Not financial, but abundance of life. And Lord, maybe let it be financial too. (laughs) Jesus said, that's why we named Zoe Zoe. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Zoe means life. I've come to give you life, Sam. But you'll find it in the secret place because it's not out there. It's not in the public. It's in the unseen places of your life that you are formed, that you're crafted, that you're shaped, that you're molded. Pray for big things, magnificent things. Pray to go the distance. Pray to be the man God's called you to be, the woman that God's called you. Pray the big, audacious Cosmic prayers, go for it, man. But at the end, say, God, <laughs> I, I want to honor you, not man. And then, can I, can I just say this as we start the 21 days? And you pray all those things, because I have, and then the storms come. We're like, where's God? God, where are you? And you're like, hey, I, I thought you prayed to be stronger. I thought you prayed for wisdom. And now you have decision after decision to make. I thought I heard you at Coin Church saying, God, I want you more. God, more, please. And I've given you more, and you don't know how to handle it. So how do we do this? You pray because you love. If you don't love God, you won't want to pray. promise you that. You have to love God. You have to, you have to be, if I could say it like this, you have to be undone before God. You have to marvel at his goodness. Jeremiah the prophet says, I eat of his word. It's that good. You want to know him. You have to want to know him. You have to want to encounter his power because he has power. If you're not in awe of the Father, I promise you this will not work going into the secret place because you'll get bored real fast. This won't work. You know what my prayer is in these 21 days? I, I, I want a I culture of prayer. Again, you know that passage of scripture? I know I'm almost done. I'm sorry. I'm like eight minutes over. You know that passage of scripture? You guys doing good, by the way? I didn't even check the pulse on you. You're like, man, this is like too much, bro. <laughs> the author of Hebrews said, The leaders in your life, he just got done naming all of these powerful, magnificent men like Moses and Elijah and Rahab, all these powerful men and women. 
And then he says, these leaders in your life, follow their life and do what they did. He says that. The author of Hebrews said that. And so if I want to accustom and change and, and, and alter who I am into the person of Jesus, if I want to be transformed in his image, then I have to adopt his lifestyle, right? I have to adopt how he thinks and how he talks and how he acts. I have to submit what he wants from my life and not my will, right? You know what he says? There's a, there's a passage of scripture. I've said this to you guys many times before. And he's like, many will come in my name, in my name. Notice, in my name. Many will come in my name and say, I casted out demons. But like the question is, have any of you casted out demons? Maybe you have. I've casted out demons in your name, Jesus. I've seen signs and wonders in your name. Lately, in the last couple days, have you seen signs and wonders? Maybe you have, maybe you have. And then he says, go, go away from me. I, I never knew you. That passage terrifies me. Does it terrify you? But it's so clear. He's saying, I want to know you. It is possible, my friend, to live a life in Jesus' name and not even know him. It's possible. I can, I can tell you as a pastor, it's possible to come up here and preach with passion. My personality can come out. My, the sweat can come down, and I can convince you with charisma. <laughs> and none of Jesus could be in here. It's possible to come up here, right, Cotto? Right, worship team? You can come up here and sing, you know, I just come and sing and worship and dance and you, God, yes, Lord, yes. 100%, let's do those things. It's possible to open up your mouth and it not be in line with Jesus. So I want a, I want a culture of prayer in this house because Jesus said this to the Pharisees, to the people. He quoted the Old Testament and he said, my house will be a house of prayer. Do you know he said that? Not a den of robbers. That's not what this house is for. It's to be a house of prayer. To be a, a man and a woman resolved to go to the secret places of your life. Is this making sense? Are you guys good? Yeah. I just want you to be challenged as I am. On these next 21 days, pray those things. God, bring a culture in my life of prayer. I want to be like the Jewish men and women that wake up and pray, in the evening pray, in the morning pray, their whole life, as Paul would say, to pray without ceasing, every aspect of your life, to put it before God, man, and see what he does with it. So go into the unseen places. Do the things that need to be done in the secret place. So as we, as we start our journey in praying and fasting, we do this every year. And I love this because it challenges us, right? You say no to the body and yes to the spirit. And don't be legalistic about it, please. You're like, oh, is it the Daniel fast? You have ranch on that salad? That's not it, right? <laughs> please don't do that. It's between you and God, friend. And can I confess? There's been times when I fasted that I focused too much on the food and not on the Father. Way, way too much. 
honestly. So I'm like, okay, not this time. I learned that mistake. So focus on spending time with him in the morning. Like, just do it. Just say, all right, tomorrow, 4 a.m., I'm doing it. <laughs> You're like, oh, God, help. <laughs> right? Wake up in the morning and, and spend and just experience his love for you. Get in his word. Read it. And then at night, contend for ground, man. Like, put the little ones down to sleep. Get your wife and, and go to battle. Get your husband and say, we're going to fight for our family. We're going to pray that God's kingdom would come over this house. We're going to pray for our sons and daughters. We're going to pray that there would be revival in this home. We're going to pray that we would love God more than anything else. We're going to pray that our marriage is restored. We're going to pray that the unforgiveness in our heart would, would be, would, we would let go of those things. Pray that God would do something great and mighty among you. But it starts with consecration. Amen? Is that good? Right on. Let's pray, and then we'll end with worship. Will you stand with me? God, I pray for every person in this room. I pray for every man and for every woman. I pray for every generation, God. I pray, Lord, that as we look at our own heart, that we would evaluate our own season and where we're at and the journey that we're on. I pray, Jesus, that you would remind us that you are the only way, that there is no other way but your way. I pray, Father, that you would arise in us, that your spirit would empower us, that you would call us to do great things, that we would lean on you and not our own understanding, that we would be people that go to the secret place and know, Father, that it's in the secret place that you bring reward to our life. I pray for spiritual awakening in this place. I pray for the dormant, for those that are dormant in their faith, that, that you would arise and awaken them, Father. I pray that they would invite you into their lives, that they would go on a journey of discipleship, that they would get serious about community, that they would confess their sins to one another, that they would stop playing it safe, that they would stop living their, their sin in the dark, but, but God, that they would bring it to light, that they would find someone to confess to, and that you would do only what you can do in our lives, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We put you first, and it's your name we pray. Amen.